As Christians, we're told to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It seems simple, but is it easy? This week on Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake, we'll learn that there are many more layers involved than what it may seem. Drake Hunter is senior pastor at Elevating Life Church in Fort Morgan, Colorado, founder of the nonprofit Four Dimensional Living, as well as the author of three books, including his latest, Wonderfully Weird, and the upcoming Wonderfully Weird Goodness. Now, this week's edition of Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake Hunter. Welcome back once again to Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake. Of course, I'm your host, John Waters. With me here, Pastor Drake, let me say, Happy November. Yes, hello. I'm excited. Uh, I love the month of November. Uh, I think part of it is just because, uh, you know, gratitude and thankfulness is just part of the theme, right? Right. And so just I love the month of November. Well, and it's it's a time for family, November and December, the holidays, uh, time to really reflect on, again, the gratefulness like you talked about, but just that time with family and friends and really understanding that there's more to life than what we go through every day work-wise and everything. Yeah, that basic uh, element of life relationships with family and friends and everything that that is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm with you 100% on that one. And loving each other. Yes. Love. Love. <laughs> Isn't that what it's all about? Absolutely. And that's our wonderfully weird command uh, for this week. Um, it comes actually out of the book of Matthew uh, Mark and Luke, That's right. uh, and it's love the Lord, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, as it says in Mark. Um, and this week, though, uh, rather than looking at the Gospels, Drake, you've decided to go back to where Jesus found, or, uh, uh, quoted this from, That's which right. is in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, known as the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. So as people are turning there... Yeah. Um, give us the question that you'd like to use to light the candle this week. Well, of course, the question, you know, has to do with love. And here it is. Do you sense, or another word we can use there, do you feel you lean towards a loving attitude or a hateful one or a bad attitude? That's mm. the question uh, for us today is do you sense you lean towards a loving attitude or a bad attitude? And, 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 and something we got to think about. What's that? What is your default setting? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's a great way to put it, especially in our day and age, because, you know, I think uh, most people don't understand uh, if your default setting is not uh, that good attitude, the attitude of Christ, uh, then we have to do some reflecting. And we have to really, really uh, understand what the faith is all about. And, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit's been quenched or uh, just perhaps you just might need Jesus I, to be that straightforward. Uh, because if that is not your default attitude and it is expressed and actually, uh, you know, understood through your attitude that people experience, uh, then then we've got we got some reflecting to do. Well, and the good news, I guess, Drake, is that if if uh, love is not your default setting, the good news is you can change your default setting. Absolutely. So all that's you, why we're here. Yeah, I think all you have to do is repent is uh, the word that comes to mind to make a U-turn on that bad attitude. Absolutely. Uh, and we have to do that every day. But as John shared, uh, I'm I'm going back to, you know, the the uh, let's say the Torah, 
which is Hebrew scripture, the first five books in Christian tradition, it's known as the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, uh, because we've got to understand uh, this is where Jesus is quoting all of his scripture from. Uh, I think oftentimes we forget that, that the New Testament was, of course, created after the fact. Right. And so we have to uh, put ourselves in Jesus' shoes, let's say, and, and then really understand those words. And I'd really high, I highly encourage people just to get a, a little bit of understanding of classic Hebrew and a little bit of Greek. You don't have to be a scholar in that, but just understand that's where Jesus is coming from. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand uh, a little bit about that culture, a little bit about the language, a little bit about that time, so that then we can truly interpret God's word properly and the words of Jesus in his, in his teachings so that then we don't miss the mark because you know let's just let's just say this language is messy sure and if we don't understand that when we lean into our bible reading and our study uh and we are just let's say very subjective this is what it means to me oh you are you are on dangerous ground there it's very very easy to read things in the wrong context yes yes you know and Uh, You know, John, I kind of think about it this way before we get to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, You know, I've been around the world. You know that. Mm -hmm. And you've been to different places. And, you know, I'm going to Israel in January. Well, part of my responsibility is kind of study up a little bit on that culture, on the language, uh, and and what that is, so that then I'll go in there with an understanding. Paul said, "I, I become all things to all people, so that then when I go and step into that context or into that land, whatever however you want to put it, then you have a a better understanding and it actually expresses that you do care and you do love for the, uh, have love for the other person. Mm -hmm. It just makes sense. Uh, Otherwise we're kind of in our arrogance or in our pridefulness when we think, you know, we're all that in a bag of Doritos because we're, you know, going to another country and we're Americans and we just believe we know it. Or we just go to the Bible and just say, you know what, I can read. So that, that gives me enough, uh, you know, ability to kind of read it and I'll just interpret it for myself. Well, be careful with that because your teachings, your experience and everything that goes with that can be very messy and and your memory will conjure up some things that just don't align with proper interpretation of scripture. Well, and uh, as much as we like to think the universe revolves around us, um, actually, I wasn't there when Jesus spoke these words. So uh, it couldn't be in the context of my life. It's in the context of his life. Yes, in, in that place, in that time. And, and so, so let's actually go even further back. <laughs> Let me read Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 and 6. This is the great commandment, but as Jesus quoted it from uh, the Old Testament. And of course, it's the Shema, as you shared, John. And it reads this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Now, verse 6, these commandments, oh, wonderfully weird commandments. There you go. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. There's the great commandment as Jesus understood them in the sense of the Old Testament, because that's what he's quoting. And we have to understand this because there's a lot of people, John, I think you'll agree with me. For some reason, they think uh, the Old Testament is no longer, no longer applies. 
Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, Jesus in Matthew 5 said, hey, I've, I didn't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. Right. And, and to truly uh, make it a true reality in the value system of God's kingdom, not what a bunch of broken human beings have done all the way back since Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so uh, here's Jesus flipping the value system uh, on on end because he knows it's broken. And that's the reason Jesus came. But he is quoting, once again, getting them back to the origin of the faith, which has always been, of course, God, and getting them to the point back to the garden that they have a proper vision that in their faith where there's no vision, people perish, to get them back to what that, that delight of the Lord, or can we say the promised land is in our day and age, the day of the Lord. Well, and to set that context again, if we don't have an understanding of the Old Testament, we don't have a true picture of the context of Jesus. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, you have no boundaries then, right? Mm-hmm. Boundaries are gone. So we've got to set up those boundaries and make sure we have those limitations of goodness. And remember, that is our our boundaries. It's, it's the boundaries of goodness. And we are to stay in God's will in that goodness. And it is very good. And, and that's exactly what we're going to see with uh, uncovering some things with this particular, uh, these particular verses, I should say, in Deuteronomy. So that, that brings us to the first question then. What is this command about? Yeah, bringing it back. Love the Lord. That's the command. So (laughs) it seems when you say it, love the Lord, it seems like it's very simple. And it is, but it's not easy. That's exactly right. And and then, of course, uh, the the gut, of course, of this command, as you just shared, is love. Now, we've got to be careful. We can't interpret love in the sense of, uh, of our understanding. We must seek after this particular... Uh, let's say this uh, attribute of God so that then we can fully understand it and apply it to our lives. It's never the other way around, I guess is my point there, because uh, if we don't understand love and we understand it in the sense of our culture today, oh boy, will we miss the mark. And and, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because there's so many messages uh, on the word love and we, we can break it down in different identities of love. We can even break it down in, in the sense of the DNA of love, you know, grace and mercy and benevolence mm-hmm. and all of that. But let me just say this with love, that basically it's the center of who we are and, and we must fear God in, in that love. We must walk in that love. There's activity. We must serve that law, law or excuse me, love, and uh, we must keep God's command because we love him. And this is the way that we are going to truly bring true goodness to our reality is because first and foremost, we love God with all of our heart. And of course, with all of our, our soul and all of our strength as Deuteronomy shares. And so very, very simple. Love is expressed in in this way. It's really expressed in how I treat people around me, John. You know, and, and this is critical because my heart is broken when I see people who call themselves Christians and how they treat people, period. Right. It, it is heart. I, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Let's put it that way, uh, because uh, that is not God's love, folks. We they are to the lost. Those who are broken are to see the kingdom of God, to see the image of God, as we shared last week in that command, render to Caesar, which is about the image of God, we are to deliver, to express that image, and, and it's, it's based on how we treat people 
around us. And if we understand that, then 1 John 4, 19 then becomes a reality. We love because God first loved us. So there's love, right? Right. There's the gut of our, our faith. But now what we need to do is let's kind of do this, John. Let's, let's kind of uncover quickly uh, those three words, heart, soul, and strength. Because okay. we got to know what that is so that then we have an understanding. And then once we comprehend it, we can apply it, make proper choices, and then we're going to love God with all of our heart. And so, so first and foremost, heart. John, what do you think heart is? I'll give um, you a question. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's the world's definition, but I know that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for in the context again yeah. Yeah. of what Jesus is talking about here. And and the the heart is the seat of our our will, our desires, the yes. affection that we have. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. I hope you heard that, folks. The heart is your will and your affection. Now, we can get into that in more details, but in general, that makes so much sense. Uh, that, you know, we our will lines up with God's will, our heart, and our affection lines up with, of course, that caring and loving, affectionate uh, aspect of who God is. And that's what heart is. Uh, so, you know, one thing I... I, I do share too is understanding uh, heart is where your knowledge resides. No, okay. we all know something, uh, but we are to have the spirit of knowledge. That's capital S. That's the spirit of God's goodness. Understand where character comes from in the sense of a good character that we need to establish on, on, on God's strength within us, uh, along with uh, the knowledge of truly understanding how to perform in a way that's going to deliver and, and express that love or that goodness we've been talking about. So, you know, that's one aspect of our heart. I think a lot of people don't understand that because uh, part of our responsibility is to gain knowledge, bo both practical practical knowledge in the sense of skill set, but also, uh, you know, godly knowledge. Uh, that is the way of God. And, but when those two come together uh, in, in the sense of, uh, you know, practical knowledge and, and again, again, godly knowledge, that is a relationship that's known as the spirit of knowledge that then, of course, uh, develops and gains wisdom in a person's life. And so there it's 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 knowledge. It's also applied knowledge, as you mentioned last week, John, uh, one of our teachings, you know, brilliant. Uh, we've got to understand it's just not knowing something and just being really smart or in, intelligent at something. It's actually applying it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where, uh, you know, that's where our heart ought to be in the sense of knowledge. Uh, you know with your heart. And then, of course, we have the heart is where you understand and make connections. Oh, here's the base of our reality, relationships. Uh, another aspect of the heart, here it comes, I've already shared this, wisdom dwells in the heart. Now, John, when I think of this, what just came to mind is uh, John chapter 1 talking about Jesus dwelling with us. Mm -hmm. This is why it's so important, folks, to get the teachings of Jesus, those wonderfully weird commands into our minds, and, and then we memorize them and get them into our heart, because once they're in our heart, uh, even when we don't have, let's say, a Bible, and there's many situations, you, you won't have your Bible, then it's in your heart, then you can bring it out to the outer ends of the world, just as the commission uh, you know, clearly explains that we can do if we get jesus or these commands into our heart that then we are with jesus in that wisdom 
And that brings us back to understanding again, too. Yes. The We have in our hearts the understanding of who God is and how he functions in our lives and how we can use that then to make those connections. Right. We say, oh, Jesus is in our heart. Really? Yeah. <laughs> is it just a seed or have you, you know, been watering that seed with the commands and the teachings of Jesus that then uh, that literally becomes walking wisdom? Mm -hmm. as part of who we are. Another aspect, and this will be the last one we'll mention today, is the heart is what you use to discern between truth and error, hmm. right? Okay. Discernment, how to make choices. Uh, how, you know, I have so many people connecting with me going, I just don't know how to make a choice, or I'm not good with problem solving, or change management, and all this is, it's just too much for me. Well, understand God created you to be that type of person, and and, and then we learn certain skills, if you will, and have an understanding of how to uh, discern. One, the commandment that comes to mind here is judge not. If we truly understand that teaching from Jesus, then we're going to develop that that uh, character trait within us, that skill known as discernment. Mm -hmm. And we've got to learn how to discern good and bad and right and wrong so that we can make wise choices. So that's the heart. Well, it makes me think of Proverbs 4.23 uh, when you say that. Yeah. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And I think it's important, too, uh, in, in, in the Old Testament— uh, the brain and the physical brain and the and the mind were all one. They didn't they didn't have the understanding we have today uh, with the the mind and the brain and all that. But they understood it all to be one. The heart. So again, that's your mind. That's your uh, your management of your own emotions. That's your choices and your discernment. Hmm. And so there you go. Heart. How about your soul? Now we're gonna go quick here, but because we can get deep, deep, deep into this, but understand this. The soul is the whole of life, uh, including your physical being. Uh, you know, John, there's, there's this um, myth going around in the Christian faith that came from Greek philosophy. Uh, they believe uh, in the, can I say, ghost in the machine type of, of understanding of, of the soul, that your spirit lives in this box or this machine, your body. And then when, when you die, uh, then it floats away like a ghost and goes off into, you know, the hereafter. Well, don't forget the kingdom of God is not hereafter. It's now. It's now for the Christian. And so the soul, that's the whole person. Again, not a ghost in the machine concept. A person doesn't have a soul they are a soul, a living, physical, and breathe, uh, breathing being. And we've got to understand that because there is a huge error here when it comes to understanding what the true soul is. It's who you are, not what you have. And please hear that because there's a lot of Christians that are just passive, not doing much because they're just waiting for that last breath, not realizing you are responsible for your soul now. It is well with my soul. Do a little study on the Hebrew word nefesh. Yes. And you'll see that. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great direction there, John. And, and we really need to understand that. And it's mentioned, good night, I think over 700 times in the Bible, if I recall. And so there you go. So, now, Psalms 42, 23, uh, as the deer panteth, that, that, that song comes to mind. But my soul thirsts for God, 
for the living God? When when can I go and meet with God and an image bearer uh, in a, a person who bears? I don't think this is the right scripture, John. Oh. <laughs> I, got, I, I missed something there. Oh, wait, my soul thirsts. Yeah, it is. Right, right. Psalms 42. I'm there. I, I kind of lost my place there. Psalms 42, 2 and 3. That's just the first, the first part. My soul thirsts for God for the living God. Let me put it that way. <laughs> and so, yes, that is our soul. Uh, and so let's uh, make sure we completely uh, understand it's not, again, it's not a ghost in the box since we're just getting over Halloween here, right? right. And so, and then the last word I think is very interesting in, in the book of Deuteronomy. It's actually love God with all of your strength. Now, here's another word, John, that's been misinterpreted. Uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's uh, the life power, uh, perhaps, but actually, the word actually is translated, and I can't even, I can't even recall how to pronounce the word, but in, in classic Hebrew, it is, in, it is interpreted this way, uh, muchness. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds weird, but when you say, I'm going to love God with all of my muchness, uh, the word actually kind of hyperlinks with Genesis 1:31, where God said, "Everything that I made is very good. I'm going to love God very much, or in that goodness very much." And, and this is important because that is uh, just means you're devoted to everything in the sense of that that goodness that we talked about earlier, in the sense of God's uh, His boundaries of goodness. Devote everything to honoring God. And your neighbor as yourself. So you everything, that's your wealth, that's power, fame, status, everything is devoted to God. And that's exactly what that means, to love God with all of my strength. And we see it in Greek, it's been interpreted body. But then again, we're going back to the soul where everything, the whole of you, that is your soul. So with your soul, you, you love God much uh, in that muchness of goodness, if I can put it that way. So every moment, every opportunity, every ability you have and capacity offers you a chance to love and honor the one who made you, God, uh, in the image that he created you. And you can see uh, how this particular command, the greatest command of all time, command number 40, connects with that last command, render to Caesar. It's all about the image of God. And mm-hmm. Jesus brought us into focus, and now he's like, bam, this is what I'm talking about. Love God with all of your strength, with all of your, can I say it again, muchness. Can we also say maybe with all of your intentionality? Absolutely. Just how else do you say much, 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 muchness. much, muchness. Yeah. That's a hard word to say. It's too. not one we use a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Even with all, there you go, right? Kind of flubbing up the words with all your failures too. Absolutely. You know, take the fangs out of failure, people. Learn how to love God and learn how to really develop all things. And and when you get there, it's just, uh, just again, it, it gives you an attitude and an expression of life that it's just good. I don't know how else to put it. It's that simple. Well, of course, our command uh, this week, love the Lord. And uh, you you really kind of talked about what the problem is early yes, on in our conversation today. But let's really turn the focus on it right now and, and what the problem is, the sin that yeah. comes about uh, in our lives. Yeah, simply it's, it's people are defining God's love their way. Now, yeah. now notice that. People are defining 
love based on their own teachings, their own experiences, uh, in, in their own just little reality, uh, which, you know, is a big mistake. That's exactly what Eve did when she ate from the tree of the knowledge of uh, good and bad. She then took it and defined what good and bad was rather than just being obedient to the objective reality of God from, from the tree of life. And so we see that, and, and, and of course, that is the, the sin. That is the problem where we continue to define it based on our feelings and, and on our own emotions. And folks, uh, there is a word that, that actually you know, wraps around that concept, but it's only in part. It's, uh, if I recall off the top of my mind, eros in, in Greek, and it, it, it's romantic love. It's feeling and, and affection, yes, but don't forget there's so, much, uh, uh, there's so many factors to God's love that we've got to see all that and learn how to put it together and then live in the integrity of God's love so that we can truly uh, experience what that reality is so that we are truly uh, living in the gut of love. So what are some of the ways that we know if we are living in that bad attitude rather than the love attitude? You know, <laughs> I think of the Beatitudes here, John, because isn't that exactly what Jesus is teaching us? We become born again. We have a good attitude. But then he presents the, you know, eight Beatitudes up on the mountain to his disciples. But when we look at it, it's just the opposite. Here, here's the, uh, the symptoms. It's just the opposite of the Beatitudes. So rather than being poor in spirit, uh, that means I don't know anything. And I want to open myself up and I'm going to let people that are more mature in that knowledge or that understanding to feed me. No, we're, we're rich in our own uh, opinions and our own beliefs. And uh, we become, we're closed off. We're, we're not poor in spirit. We're rich, well, we're, we're, excuse me, we're rich in man's attitude. And, right. and that's a huge mistake. Uh, another symptom is uh, I see Christians suffering in the wrong ways or for the wrong reasons. A lot of Christians are like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. Well, then I'm assuming that then you are suffering through something that's new in the sense of his knowledge and his understanding. And, it, and you're suffering through it uh, so that you can truly, truly uh, get a gain understanding in the way it is to be understood in God's reality. That's what I'm assuming when you say, blessed are those who mourn. Mm -hmm. You've got to suffer through, uh, you know, understanding what God is. you got to seek after it, and there's going to be some, some challenges. And I wish I can go through all of the Beatitudes, but if you looked at it and understand the Beatitudes, the opposite is always the symptoms, a bad attitude. And then you can see how that's constructed in a person, and it doesn't take long, like, hey, you might need to uh, get into the will of God, or you just need Jesus. So what's our solution, Drake? Well, this is so simple, right? We go right back to our wonderfully weird commands, command one, two, and three, right? Command number one, repent. Command number two, be born again and, and then be committed and engaged. And command number three, follow Jesus, follow me. And truly commit and be engaged in that and allow God to be the object of your faith and not a bunch of broken people, uh, first and foremost. And once we have an understanding, we can live a life that then expresses uh, God's love in a way that surpasses all understanding. Can I mm -hmm. put it that way? Yeah, absolutely. Give us some final thoughts uh, to hang on to. My final thought is love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And then also love your neighbor as yourself. There's my 
final thought. That's a great one. I like it. All right, Drake, thank you so much. That's going to wrap it up for this week on Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake. Join us again next week. If you would like to learn more or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Pastor Drake at wonderfullyweirdliving at gmail.com. To obtain your own copy of the book Wonderfully Weird, please log on to www.wonderfullyweirdliving.com and click on the button that says Buy the Book. Wonderfully Weird Living is a ministry of four-dimensional living offering wholeness coaching for mind, body, soul, and spirit. Also, would you please prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner to help the Wonderfully Weird Living ministry impact more and more lives? Please log on to www.the4dimensionalliving.com. That's 4dimensionalliving.com with the number 4. Now, for Pastor Drake Hunter, I'm John Waters wishing you a wonderfully weird week.